Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. I know we've prayed a bunch of times, but let me start with prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for your presence at Lord's Chapel this morning. We pray your Holy Spirit leading Jake as he ministers to the folks there. Um, We know that you love them and that you care about them and that you don't want them having anxiety or nervousness or confusion. So we just thank you for your love for them. And we pray for your presence here this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking. And Lord, any words that I speak, Lord, let them fall to the ground. And we want to give you glory and honor this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let me tell you a story that I heard this week. So... A mother and her daughter were leaving church, and the mother asked the daughter, what'd you learn in class today? And she said, well, they taught us about how God made men and women. And the mother's like, okay, cool, Genesis, you know. So she says, okay, well, how did he do that? And she said, well, he took some dirt and made a man. And she thought, okay, this is good. And she said, then what? And the daughter says, well, then he made a woman and he took the brain out of the man and put it in the woman. (laughs) Okay, so while while y'all are smiling, look at the person next to you and say, we're so glad you're here. God loves you very much. Yes, all (laughs) y'all. You're in Tennessee. (laughs) So I want to say I'm very honored to be asked to do this. Um, I'm very glad that Jake is at Lord's Chapel this morning, doing what he's doing, assuring those folks of how much God loves them and cares about them. Um, I'm especially honored that my son would ask me to do this on Father's Day. Um, It's just amazing. So, happy Father's Day. Listen, I know that we maybe didn't all have the greatest fathers, but we all have Father God. He is the greatest father that we could ever ask for. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, if you didn't have the kind of father that you wished you had, you do have that father. And he cares about you. And 
He wants to be the one that is leading you through life. I want this morning to honor my father. Can we put that photo up? Yeah, that's my dad. Um, he's 93 years old. He's amazing. Um, at that photo, he's at the Vietnam War Veterans Memorial. He served in the Korean War, um, and I'm very proud that, that my dad did that. And his father before him served in World War I. Um, it's going kind of way back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he served in World War I. My dad served in Korea. I did not serve. Um, I was a bit rebellious at that time in my life. Um, I would have been asked to go to Vietnam, and I did not want to do that. I didn't leave the country, fortunately. Um, I got a high lottery number and didn't have to go. Um, but I'm grateful for every man who has served and has done it for our country and for our freedom. Um, but yeah, that's my dad. In honor of him, um, I'd like to give a testimony of how my father influenced my personal life. Um, he was very supporting and encouraging. Um, as I was growing up, I was a baseball fanatic. I mean, everything about me was about baseball. I played baseball. I always had a glove and a ball in my hand. If somebody didn't want to play catch with me or something, I was bouncing it off of walls. I was throwing it up on the roof of the garage and catching it. I did everything baseball I could do. Um, and my dad was an over-the-road truck driver, so he couldn't always make it to my games. Um, but he always encouraged me, always supported me in that. I can remember my last year in Little League, he wasn't able to make it to the last game of our local World Series. Um, and I was kind of sad about that, especially when I scored the walk-off winning run. Um, you know, I so wished my dad would have been there, but he wasn't. But when he got home, the first thing he wanted to know was the play-by-play -play of that game. He wanted to know how I slid in under the catcher's tag and was called safe. He wanted to know everything about it. He supported me every step of the way in everything I wanted to do. The next year I went to Pony League, and the first game that my dad came to when I was in Pony League, Man, I pulled one down the third base line, and I'm telling you, it was fair. <laughs> the umpire called it foul, and I could hear my dad yelling. He knew it was fair, and he's yelling at that umpire, and I just was kind of smiling to myself, you know, knowing that he was encouraging me in that. The next pitch, I lined another one down the third base line, and that umpire didn't say a word. It was fair. And I could hear my dad. And he's going, you show him, son. That first one was fair, but you show him. He was always there to, to encourage me. And he was a provider. Um, he would do whatever it took to provide for our family. There were five of us siblings. Um, 
and he just always made sure we had what it, what it took. Um, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. And that says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. My dad always provided. He was an unbeliever, but because he always provided, he wasn't worse than an unbeliever, okay? <laughs> he at least kind of fit in there in between. He was always a help to me in times of trouble, and in my teenage years, I was a ton of trouble. Um, I was taking a trip from, we lived in the Toledo, Ohio area, and I was taking a trip to the Youngstown, Ohio area, cover your ears, <laughs> to see a girlfriend. And I got about halfway there and my car died. And I thought, oh man, what am I going to do? So I call my dad and he goes, okay, I'm getting in the car, I'll be right there to get you. He was always there for me. Um, he bailed me out of jail a couple times. I'm not going to get into details. Um, although one time he made me spend the night just to teach me a lesson. He waited till the next day to come and get me. Another thing about my dad that influenced me greatly was that he was always raising children. Um, I may have told this story before, but my mom left my dad when I was 12 with five kids to raise on his own. Um, and so he did that. He quit his over-the-road truck driving job to have custody of us. And he raised us five kids. He did remarry about the time that my two youngest siblings were ready to leave home. And he remarried a woman who actually was only three years older than me, but she had two little kids. And so he raised us five, then he raised her two, and then one of them had kids who gave them up to him and his wife. They raised them. Then one of them had children who turned them over to my dad and his wife, and he raised them. He was raising children from the time he was 21 until he was in his mid-80s. And I have to think that that may have had some influence on me to go to Josiah's house in the Dominican Republic and start an orphanage and raise kids. Um, it was a little different having eight, uh, I don't know what word to use, broken boys, there you go. Uh, raising eight broken boys in my 60s, but he did it in his 80s, so I figured, what the heck. I can do it. So there's so many things about my dad who influenced me in our child rearing. Like I can remember Jake playing baseball as a little kid, 
then deciding he was going to play basketball because that was less physical contact. I don't know how he figured that out. Um, and at the same time, our daughter was doing ballet, and we were just running everywhere to support our kids. Whatever it took to support our kids, we were into that. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's look at uh, the message from last week. And again, I mean, the first thing I think of is, what is God doing in our church? I mean, it is so amazing to think within the next month or two months or three months, we'll have our own place. I mean, seven years, has it been seven years of setting up and tearing down, starting in Jake's living room? I mean, y'all, they used to take all the furniture out of Jake's living room every morning and put it in the garage and set up chairs and then afterwards take all the chairs down, put all the furniture back in the living room. It's, it's been a wild ride. I didn't get to participate in that, sorry. <laughs> We came after that was all done. <laughs> it's been a wild ride, and, and we're just so grateful for what God is doing and how much he cares about what we're doing. What we're doing is important. We need to be reaching out and touching people. We just watched Jesus' revolution this weekend. It's so simple, yet we make it so difficult. All we have to do is love on people. You know, we, we think we need all these programs and special ways of doing things. Diane and I got saved at the end of the Jesus Revolution. Um, you know, in the movie at the end, it says it ended in 1972. Not. It was still going on in the early 80s, and Diane and I got involved in it, and it was amazing. We were in a little church that had, you know, your knees touched the row in front of you. They had the rows so tight together. There would be three people sitting in two chairs instead of one in each. There were people sitting on the floor. There were people in the windowsills. And there was so much excitement about what Jesus was doing. We need that also. We need that as well. We need to be reaching out to people. Okay, so back to last week's review. Um, Joshua 3, 4, and 5, he had three points, and we're not going to put all that up on the screen or read through it, but, and you can go back and look at that and, and listen to the message, but there were three points. One was the people of Israel stepping into the Jordan River to cross into the Promised Land. That was a step of faith. Yeah. And he said the first thing is pray. And the second thing was the memorial stones that they took out of the river, put on their shoulders, and carried them across. And 
that was to remember what God has done. That's to praise him. And the third thing was circumcising all the men. Yeah, that's the same thing I thought. But that was about pain involved. It hurt. But they were prepared. God was preparing them for what was coming and what they were going to do. So that's the review from last week. That was the introduction. Am I out of time yet? No. (laughs) So back in those 80s and early 90s, um, Diane and I taught a Sunday school class. And then we had a home group. And then I would get asked to preach maybe on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. It was, that was the kind of church we went to. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, so I was constantly having opportunities to speak. And the way that I found was the best way for me to get a message from God was to mow. Well, you can only mow your own yard so many times to hear from God. And it got to the point where I was asking people if I could mow their yard because I had to speak this Sunday morning or I had to speak Wednesday night. But that was just kind of how I got my messages. And it would never fail. God would give me at least an hour's long message. Well, I didn't get to mow this week, so you don't have to worry about an hour's long message. Jake didn't give me enough time to mow, so. This this time this morning while I'm speaking is going to be more um, just kind of sharing from the heart than it is actually teaching. Um, Teaching is great. Don't get me wrong, but mostly what I want to do is encourage and provoke and, and not just fathers. Mothers need to hear this. I mean, mothers need to encourage and support fathers. Men need that. Um, let's look at Proverbs 31. Verses 10 through 12. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. That's not a... 80s, 90s sitcom mom. I mean, back when we were growing up, the sitcoms we watched were Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, My Three Sons. I don't know if any of you are familiar with those or not. But the mothers always supported the fathers. I mean, if Ward Cleaver was talking to his boys and telling them what they needed to do or not do, Mrs. Cleaver would say, yes, Ward, you're right. Boys, listen to him. 
But then came the 80s and 90s, and we kind of stopped watching those kind of sitcoms because the fathers were idiots. I mean, they were being cut down by their kids. They were being cut down by their wives. And what has our culture become? We don't have a culture anymore where it's traditional for the wife to support or encourage or agree with the husband. It's difficult being a father in the current culture. I mean, we have a fatherless culture. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, more than one in four children are without a father in the home. One in four are without a father in the home. Can you put up that infograph? The strengths of father presence. Children with involved fathers have a strong foundation for child well-being. They are at lower risk for a host of poor childhood outcomes. And look at that list. Infant mortality, low birth weight, emotional and behavioral problems, neglect and abuse, and on and on and on. One in four kids is going through that. Kids need a father. And they need a mother who is encouraging their father. So, the mess- this message is not just for fathers, although happy Father's Day, everybody. It's not just for mothers. You remember the message from two weeks ago that Jake did? We are family. We are family. Um, if you'll put up those notes from two weeks ago. Consider the unique opportunity you have right here, right now. Who are your spiritual parents? Who are your spiritual children? How can you invest in them? And remember, I'm not just talking to fathers and mothers here. He was talking to every one of us. Every one of us. How can you invest in them? How can you stand and serve with them? How can you embrace them and the season you're in together? That's our responsibility as a church. This is not just about fathers, not just about mothers. It's about every one of us. Okay, maybe I'll get into uh, the teaching. Um, First thing, what are fathers' responsibilities? The first thing we're going to look at is to teach and to train. So Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. I'm going to read through this and then go back and and talk about a couple of the issues in there. Deuteronomy 6.1, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, 
by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the, door on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So let's go back and look at a couple of these things. Um, verse 2, we need to teach our kids to fear the Lord. Um, I think you made mention of it at some point this morning, to be in awe of God. Fearing the Lord is not being afraid. We are to be in awe of him and in reverence of him. So we need to teach that to our kids. You know, when, when kids think fear, they automatically think, you know, I'm afraid, oh no. That's not what is being taught here. So then drop down to verse 8. And verse 8 and 9 has just been eye-opening to me. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, I'm kind of confessing here, but before a test, have you ever written notes on your hand? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure none of you have, but I think I did once or twice. But why? so that I could refer back. And when I, when I read that, I thought, gosh, if they're, on a, if, if they're a sign on your hand, it's something that we need to see. We need to be able to see what are your hands going to do? Are your hands going to be a blessing to someone, or are they going to hurt someone? Are your hands going to help someone, or are they going to hinder someone? So when we look at our hands and where the sign is on our hand, we need to be thinking about what God wants. What's God want us to do? How does God want us to do things? So the next thing was, <clears throat> they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That should remind us and them, how are you looking at people and things? We need to be, when we're looking, we need to be thinking about, okay, I'm not lusting after that. I'm looking to see how I can help someone. I'm looking to see how I can be a blessing 
we need to think about having the word as frontlets on our eyes so that we're looking and seeing what God wants happening. And then doorposts. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As they're walking out of their house, as they're walking out the gate, they're seeing the word of God. Where am I going? What am I doing? Am I doing this for God's glory? Am I going out to make a positive difference to what's happening in the world? Can you put up that C.S. Lewis quote? Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. What are they seeing you say and do? Are you showing them what it's like to be a brave knight and have heroic courage? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your children? How are you treating those that don't agree with you in every area? How are you treating people who are struggling? We need more brave knights and people with heroic courage. Joshua 4, 6 says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? We need to have examples from our lives to influence our children. So in this case, when the kids asked, what is that? They had something good and exciting to tell their kids about. And we need to be able to do the same thing. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We've got to teach. We've got to teach our kids. We've got to love them. We've got to teach them. And show them what God has for them. Encourage them in what's ahead for them. You know, other examples of teaching in the Bible, you know, <laughs> I think Jesus taught a little bit. Um, he was always teaching. But what did he say about the kids? Don't hinder them from coming to me. So he was teaching children as well. We need to be doing that, teaching our children. And then in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
So we need to be teaching. Jesus was a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher for all of us. And he can teach us how to teach our children. Another thing we need to do with our kids is a word that a lot of people don't like to hear, and that's control. I mean, my kids didn't want to hear it. They all turned out okay, I think. Um, 1 Timothy 3, verses 4, 5, and 12. And this is directed more to leaders in the church, but it's relevant for all of us, okay? He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how, how will he care for God's church? Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. So we need to control. Now, you know, there's levels of control that a lot of times our kids thought we were out of control. Um, and look, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect, but we can hear from God and we can use what God gives us to help, help our children, to give them direction, to help them not suffer some of the things that we did, to not go through some of the things that we experienced, um, to help them stay out of trouble. The other thing we need to do is love them. Um, you know, there's lots of examples of fathers showing love for their children. Um, one of the ones that I think is just great is Luke 15, 11 through 32, and we're not going to turn there and I'm not going to read it, um, but it's the story of the prodigal son. And I mean, he loved his kids. He loved his kids to the point where he was willing to give whatever. And in the end, when a radical son got his mind right, came back home, God loved him, welcomed him gave him everything he needed, and then still tried to be a blessing to his other son who was angry and upset, but he still loved him, still cared about him. In my senior year of high school, we had moved a ton, like middle, halfway through my, my junior year, we moved, we were there a year, I was just finding my crew, and my dad says, okay, we're moving. I'm like, dad, this is my senior year of high school. I'm just making friends. I've got people I'm hanging with. We're, we're moving, moving from Ohio to Pennsylvania. First day that we were there, he put me, he took me to school. And I was like, I, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not doing this. 
And so my dad loved me. Now, before he came around to my idea, he took me to Child Protective Services. <laughs> and he said, if you don't go to school, you're staying here. Um, he made me sit in the car while he went inside. And I don't know what they said to him or what all took place in there. But he came back out and he said, okay, I'll find you a place to live back where you were in school and you can go back and finish your senior year of high school. He loved me. He cared about what I was going through. Now, he maybe didn't always know the best way to go about it. Um, and maybe he did. I mean, I don't know. That might have been the best way. But, uh, yeah, he loved me. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That, that's what my dad did. Uh, I don't know how he did it because I was a rascal. Um, but we have to love our kids through all of the challenges they present. Our kids haven't all been perfect. I mean, maybe Jake, but our kids haven't all been perfect. And we've had to love them through different situations and circumstances that we didn't like, we didn't approve of, we didn't want them doing, but we still had to love them. And to this day, we have relationship with all four of our kids. And it's been a blessing because we've had to put some things into God's hands. And he's honored that and blessed that. We need to spend time with our kids. Whatever that takes. Now, you know, we've got jobs, we've got houses to care for, we've got all these things we need to do, but we need to cut out time for our kids. I was reading about a book this week that a guy wrote addressing the fact that we're in a hurry-up society. And it was talking about, in one chapter in that book, he had a whole chapter dedicated to one-minute bedtime stories one-minute bedtime stories, because there's not time for more. I wasn't reading that book. I was reading about it. <laughs> we need to spend time with our kids. We always read with our kids. Little House on the Prairie was awesome. <laughs> I think we read through every one of those books with the kids, and they loved it. What was that other one we read? Back Porch Tales? They loved it when we spent time just doing a simple thing like reading with them. Spending time with them is how we can bless them. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. 
in conclusion. Children are a gift and a blessing. I've always joked saying that the reason to have kids is to have grandkids. <laughs> um, and we are blessed with number 12 on the way. Um, we're blessed with grandkids, but raising our four kids has been incredible. And I just want to say, fathers, love your kids, teach your kids, try the best you can to control your kids, um, but most of all, just love them, just love them. Moms, encourage and support your husbands, your kids' fathers. It's important. Your kids need to see that. How else will your daughters know what kind of a man to look for if you're cutting down your husband all the time? How will your, your sons know what kind of a wife to look for? Love your kids, encourage your kids support your kids. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's so good. It's true. It's life. It's what we need for every day. And we lift our children up to you and thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, that you love them more than we can even imagine. Help us to love them well and to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of you. And uh, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We pray a blessing over Lord's Chapel. In Jesus' name.